It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. We are answering more of your questions today on the show. Uh, I do want to say, though, at the top that we've heard from Aaron Rodgers. Sort of. He, He tweeted about Ricky Gervais. And he posted an Instagram from a mountaintop. And another Instagram with his friends and teammates and former teammates at the Kentucky Derby. Is it his way of saying, I'm unbothered? It seems like it. Uh, He also liked a tweet of Brady Papinga's saying, you know, Rob Domofsky, let's not pretend like Brett Favre is being Aaron Rodgers' spokesperson, et cetera, et cetera, and then unliked it. But not the point. Now, it's, it's probably fair to extrapolate that he is a little annoyed at what's going on here. Does that mean he's going to be a bad teammate? No. And as Tom Silverstein wrote earlier this week, he doesn't really have a choice. He is on this team for better or for worse in the near future and for the next couple years, and he can't act out. That's the thing. He cannot act out or he justifies and vindicates Brett Favre for the way he handled everything the first time around and all of the haters and the losers of whom there are many because we know Aaron Rodgers cares about that kind of stuff. He follows that kind of stuff. He does not want to give them ammunition. He relished the opportunity to say, I told you guys there was nothing to worry about last year. When all of the criticisms were out there, oh, he's going to be a problem. He's going to run all over Matt LaFleur. And then it turns out they have a great relationship. And he gets to say, see, all of you people were wrong. He loves to do that. So even if he's miffed, and he probably is a little miffed, we all would be. Is he going to be a problem? Probably not. Okay, that's as far as we're going to go because, look, they're banal tweets and Instagram posts for a reason. So I don't want to spend 30 minutes psychoanalyzing Aaron Rodgers. I want to get to your questions. And there are actually things to talk about that I think are useful in this case. I know it's weird. You know, in the offseason, the draft just happened. There's actually stuff to talk about, actually uh, questions to be asked and answered. So let's start with this one. A lot of questions about receiver because obviously the Packers didn't take one. I don't know if you you guys heard that. Uh, Didn't take a receiver in a historically deep receiver draft. Do you guys hear that? Are you aware of this? Is this is what happened? It's it's wild. Uh, but so I think a lot of people are going. Okay, well now what? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Ty from Muncie, Indiana. 
Yeah, I'm going to need you to tell me what receivers around the league might be available for release or trade. Hey, I realize it's all speculative, but um, I haven't seen any articles online about it, and I was just wondering if you've got any ideas as to where the Packers might be able to go. Appreciate your podcast. I've heard every episode. Go Packers. Coming out of free agency and the draft, of course, not a lot of great options at receiver for the Packers. Now, at least on the free agent market, that's true. So Taylor Gabriel is still out there. He has experience with Matt LaFleur. Uh, LaFleur coached the offense in Atlanta when Gabriel was there, had a great couple seasons there, had that, that big 2016 with that awesome offense. And that would make some sense given the type of receiver Green Bay could use a downfield threat. Now, there are also some players who are on the block, potentially, or who could be cut outright. Dante Pettis is a name that Bill Barnwell mentioned in his column for ESPN earlier this week. And he had a lot of fans around the league, a lot of fans on draft Twitter, and showed some promise early in his career and has just fallen behind. He has been in the the Kyle Shanahan doghouse for some reason. Now, if you're the Packers and you have a lot of ways to communicate with the 49ers staff, should you so please, uh, maybe that would prevent them from doing something like trading for Dante Pettis. Maybe Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur's bro is going to say, hey, look, this guy, he doesn't get it, whatever. And I, I don't I don't want to put words, words in their mouth. We don't know what the reasons are for all of this, but they drafted Debo Samuel. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders and then traded up for Brandon Ayuk. Clearly, Dante Pettis is not in their plans. So if he could be had for a mid-round pick or maybe a player-for-player swap, Green Bay can can give a you know end of the roster guy up for Dante Pettis. I, I think there is some some potential there. Same thing for Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills might be cut, but certainly I'm sure Bill O'Brien would like to trade him if he could. If Green Bay doesn't have to give up much, hey, Houston could use a corner. Maybe Josh Jackson looks appealing, someone that Green Bay has not found a home for yet and someone who probably still has some some fans in the league. He was a second-round pick, a very talented player, had that one great season at Iowa. We know Curtis Samuel is reported to be on the block as well. What is Carolina looking for there? Is Josh Jackson a potential piece there? Could Lane Taylor be a trade piece in all of this. Those are conversations that I think are worth having. Are any of these players world beaters? Are any of these players going to fundamentally change the offense? No, but they would bring a dimension to the team that Green Bay doesn't currently have. And that's the point. Plus, you're bringing in a veteran and you're telling Aaron Rodgers, look, we are trying to win. We are trying to get you some help. We understand we didn't get it done in the draft. So here are the concrete steps being taken to make sure that this is the best offense that the team can put on the field. If they do nothing, especially with options out there, Taylor Gabriel's on the street. He would be one of the best five receivers on the Packers roster. There are guys who are likely to be cut who would be one of the five best receivers on the Packers roster. And there are guys on the block or who could be had, we think, who would certainly be one of the five best receivers on the Packers roster. I think Kenny Stills would immediately be a a contributor. He would be my number one target, even ahead of Curtis Samuel. But Curtis Samuel would be a potential target. 
depending on the cost. And now that the draft is over, you're pushing that cost out into the future or you're giving up a player. So, you know, if you're the Packers, you're thinking, okay, this could be a weird draft. Maybe the value of these things is off. But if they're willing to take a pick, you make you go ahead and do it. Now, the other option is guys who could be potentially cut. And there are some intriguing options. At the top of the list for me would be the Jaguars' Keelan Cole, someone that Nathaniel Hackett had in Jacksonville, and he was really good as a rookie. Had a breakout rookie season. That earned him a lot more playing time in year two. And as the talent fell apart around him a little bit, he wasn't able to produce in the same kind of way. He's a smaller guy, not small, but smaller, certainly smaller than the guys Green Bay has. And he specializes as a movement player. He can create with his with the ball in his hands. He can create with his route running. A different type of player than Green Bay has. Deshaun Hamilton in Denver is another guy who had a lot of fans coming out. I thought he was a top 100 player in the draft, but Denver now, they've got Cortland Sutton. They've got Jerry Judy. They went all in with these receivers, and he could be the odd man out in Denver. Could be the kind of player who could come in and play the slot for Green Bay. And then Robert Foster. The Bills paid big money for Cole Beasley and John Brown. They trade for Stephon Diggs. Do they really need Robert Foster on their team? He had some moments in Buffalo, especially creating down the field. You know, he has that sort of Marquez Valdez-Scantling ability and speed to take the top off a defense. If Green Bay wants to push MVS and Foster gets cut, whether it's a June 1 cut or whether it's a training camp cut, Foster could be someone who comes in and gives them a little bit of juice. The problem for Green Bay is they only have about a million and a half in spendable cap room. Now, there's always ways to to accommodate that. And, you know, if they want a guy, they can they can make the room. It's not rocket science. I mean, Andrew Brandt has has said this a number of times. Anyone that says, oh, we don't have the room to sign you uh, doesn't want you that bad because there's always room. There's always money in the banana stand. And then there's there's one other name that's been out there that I just I want to address because really, frankly, I don't have a lot of takes on it, but I know a lot of Packer fans do. Hey, Peter. Kevin from Amarillo. Uh, I know the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver in any of the rounds uh, that they had picks in and all that and left a lot of Packer fans disappointed. But I did notice that they signed one from free agency uh, that went undrafted. And then also uh, a guy from the CFL up in Canada, Reggie Bagleton, I guess is how you say his name. Uh, just wanted to know what your thoughts are on him and if he's a, uh, a receiver that we can look forward to if the Packers end up signing him. Uh, thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay safe. Bye. And look, I'm like you. I've seen the highlights. I've seen the training videos, the workout videos. Reggie Bagleton is a specimen. He's a tough kid. He is physical at the catch point. I don't know that he's super fast down the field. I don't know what he brings that isn't already on the roster, but it's going to be interesting to watch him compete. I mean, it'll be fun to watch him play, and it would be a great story if he makes the roster. You know, CFL kid coming in and and getting the opportunity in the NFL would be a great story. I don't know if the talent is there. I don't see him blowing the doors off these CFL guys. And I know they're pros, so it's a little different than what's going on in college. But in college, 
you're you're just as likely to face a first round pick as you are a, a future insurance salesman. No offense to insurance salesmen, they're just generally not good pro football flair, players. In the CFL, you're facing professionals, and it's all professionals, so the floor is a little bit higher, but there's no first-round picks. There's no second-round picks, no third-round picks, no fourth-round picks. Not really. So you need to really be blowing the doors off everyone in Canada for me to go, hey, oh, this guy. He's got some juice. He's got some talent. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see a field-tilting player, but... That doesn't mean that he can't come in and compete. I mean, like I said, I would love to see him come in and, and make an impact. And if you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where you can make it all happen and so much more. The Army is a team of millions of individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? And text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get to some more questions here. This is another receiver related question. But it's a little bit different tact. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? It's Brad from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I think it's clear that the Packers did not see the need at receiver as pressing as many media and fans did. I think this is because they want to run a lot of two tight end sets. If most of the time you only put two receivers on the field, it's just not a high-priority position if one of them is Devontae Adams and then you rely on the tight ends and running backs to create mismatches. Do you think we could see Aaron Jones in the slot and split out more for quick screens? A couple things on this. So this is something that we talked about on the show. That there's two sides of the only going to play two receiver sets coin. You could make the case that, oh, if one of those guys is Devontae Adams and you love Aaron Jones out of the backfield and you feel good about Jay Sternberger and Mercedes Lewis or Big Bob Tanyan or Josiah DeGuara 
and any combination of those guys, then sure, that second receiver matters a little bit less. The other side of that coin, though, is if you're only going to play two of them, it's really important that they both be good. Because if Devontae Adams is the only good receiver you put on the field and there's only two of them, it's really easy to roll coverage. It's really easy to send help and have a safety over Devontae. And then it's much harder to get him the ball. Now, if you can spread a team out and you've got guys receiver two, you've got guys in the slot, you've got tight ends, you've got all kinds of pieces, much harder to send help, which creates more one-on-one opportunities for Devontae Adams. Now, I think there's wisdom on both sides here. And I don't think the reason that the Packers didn't use draft capital on a receiver was because they were content saying, well, we're only going to play two receivers. I think what they found was that the value did not match the draft position at the spots where they were drafting. They tried to move up, we think, into the first round for a guy, weren't able to do it. They tried to move up in the second round for a guy, not able to find value there. And so they said, okay, none of these guys can help us more than the players that are on our roster. And so Devin Funchess, Alan Lazard, MVS, EQ, you guys are it, Jay Kumaro. Now, to the second part of this point, which I think is a good point to make, it means more opportunities for Aaron Jones. When you go back and look at the best version of this offense, it was often Aaron Jones primarily as a receiver. You go back and look at the best stretches of offense for this team, it really was the four weeks Devontae Adams was out. And then at the end of the year, there were some there were some flashes, there were some good things to see, but the offense wasn't purring. Those four games where Devontae was out and they were able to create mismatches for Aaron Jones, the Cowboys game, and those are against some some legit linebackers, some legit dudes back there, and Aaron Jones made them look silly. Against the Chiefs, he had that monster game that would have been even more monster if he had been able to stay in pounds on the sidelines. The problem that the Packers ran into was... They didn't want to overwork Aaron Jones. And then you compound that with the fact that if Jamal Williams gets hurt, you don't trust Dexter Williams. And for as much talent as I think Dexter Williams has, Matt LaFleur goes to the combine and says, we need to find a running back three. And Dexter Williams is on the team. And when it looked like he was going to get a chance to play, he did some nice things in the preseason. They elevated Trey Carson, and now he's on the field. He's going in the Cowboys game. They don't trust Dexter Williams. Now, if you get A.J. Dillon in there, now you can play A.J. Dillon more. You take the wear and tear off Aaron Jones, and now you split him out. The thing was they were they were only willing to use Jones as a receiver in limited reps, And I really think it was because they were trying to save the hits on his body and they were trying to be not predictable. The problem that you create is you can become predictable by formation. And one of the reasons you go out and draft A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara and all of these offensive linemen is you want to play bigger a little bit more. Okay, does that mean you're going to run the ball 60% of the time? No. You get into 11 personnel and you can run it or pass it. Last year when Green Bay got into 12 personnel or 21 personnel and you only have two receivers on the field and maybe you have two running backs, maybe you have two tight ends, 
it was harder to be multiple because teams didn't respect Jimmy Graham, either in the run or in the pass, and you weren't able to play enough snaps of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to really create any kind of tendency or a lot of big plays. A lot of their best drives of the season came with those two running backs on the field at once early in that Vikings game. It was apparently a big part of the plan against Philly until Jamal Williams got knocked out of that game with a cheap shot. It was something I thought we would see them go more to. And even at late in the season, I thought it was something we'd see them go more to. Still, Jamal Williams, I mean, 35-plus catches, five touchdowns. He was a big part of the passing game. I think you're going to continue to see the running backs be a major part. Jet sweeps, quick screens, uh, you know, arrow routes, slant routes. Aaron Jones twice ran sluggos for what would be touchdowns. I mean, we remember the Washington one that seemed like Rodgers overthrew him, and then Aaron Jones admitted, hey, that's my bad. I was actually supposed to take that route more to the outside, which is where Aaron threw the ball. So absolutely, I think Aaron Jones is going to be a bigger part of this passing game by design, but one of the reasons he's going to be a bigger part of the passing game is because they have another running back they trust to be a part of the run game. All right, this question comes from Jen. Another great question from her. She asked a bunch of them, and I couldn't get to them all. It seems like the Vikings had the draft many Packer fans wanted. If they have a lot of success as a result, will that be part of how we judge the decisions made by Goody and Matt LaFleur, kind of seeing our division rival do what we could have done and reckoning with that? Great point. What the Packers have to bank on is that they are able to be good enough in the short run to make Packer fans forget about that. And that they end up being right about Jordan Love so that in the long run, no one even remembers, oh, remember we were so mad about X, Y, and Z. Oh, remember what a good draft the Vikings had. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, that's going to sting for a lot of Packer fans. You know, I, I caped as hard as anyone for Justin Jefferson. No one was higher on Justin Jefferson than I was. And then the Vikings picked him. Well, I can't. I want to be right. I still want to, I still want Justin Jefferson to be good. Just, you know, like 14 weeks out of 16. And we don't have to go through it pick by pick. But they were able to fill some holes. They were able to get Justin Jefferson. They got a corner in round one. They got the offensive tackle in round two. They actually got two corners. So they filled two positions of need. I think the point that Jen is making is not only... Did Minnesota get the pass catcher that they needed? They filled other top holes at priority positions. Now, they had holes at priority positions in ways that Green Bay maybe didn't. I mean, Minnesota needed starters. This is the thing that I that I try and remind a lot of fans and even media people that, and this is something that, that Dan Graziano said on a podcast earlier in the week at ESPN, the Packers have always viewed the draft as more about tomorrow than today. And the Vikings were in a position where they had to draft some of these guys because, guess what? They traded Stephon Diggs. They traded their best receiver. Probably their most impactful non-quarterback on offense. They lost multiple starting corners. They're still trying to figure out what to do with Anthony Harris, who they were trying to trade before the draft. Now they've got this franchise tag on him, and they got to figure out what to do there. They have holes to fill, and they didn't find a replacement for Everson Griffin. They didn't find a a year one starter. And what's fascinating about the Justin Jefferson pick is 
Justin Jefferson was a slot in LSU. Most people said he's a slot in the NFL. No one played fewer three receiver sets last year than the Vikings. And they're going to play him even less this year. Mike Zimmer is emboldened to run the ball more. So is Justin Jefferson going to play on the outside? Because it's not his best spot. That's going to be a learning curve for him. In Green Bay, he could have come in and played the slot. He could have come in and played 40, 50% of snaps and played in the slot where, where he's best. He's going to have to play on the outside in Minnesota. So the problem for the Packers here, getting back to Jen's question, is the, the biggest piece of the Packers draft hall in 2020 is probably not going to see the field for at least two years, maybe three, maybe four. And so the, the dividends from this class will not be paid out. The Vikings could see immediate contributions now. Again, part of the reason is because they needed those immediate contributions, right? So there is a difference. Now, if all of their players are good and all of Green Bay's are bad, yeah, of course. That sucks if you're a Packers fan and if you're the Packers. This was a big bet for Brian Gutekunst. A big bet on Matt LaFleur and his ability to develop quarterbacks, his ability to mold a philosophy for a team. Yeah, if the Vikings have a really great draft, it will reflect on the Packers draft. And the problem for Green Bay is their biggest gamble and the player who could set this class off, the only player who really matters, honestly. If the only player in this draft class who is good is Jordan Love and he's good, none of the other picks really matter. But if he doesn't matter for two or three years, there could be a lot of fan and media consternation over what happened in this draft because of what went on with Minnesota? The Lions had a good draft. People seem to like what the 49ers did. Although, you know, Javon Kinlaw on the top, you know, you know I don't I don't love that. I think there were there were a lot of people who are gonna say, look, the Packers fell behind. I understand that. If for no other reason than exactly what I'm saying, their best player, we will not see the fruits of that pick for a couple years, whereas some of these other teams could see more immediate contributions from their players. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish up here with this. Hello, Peter. Zach from Amarillo, Texas. Been a while since I chimed in. Thanks for the awesome content. Just wanted to say relax to Packers Nation. I'm going to be the first to say I didn't understand what was going on with our draft till day three. 
QB1, RB2, T, tight end three. Then the big line came in. This draft wasn't a bust, but more of securing the Green Bay dynasty. In four years, our young O-line would have gotten to know love and vice versa. Think of how Aaron throws defenses off with his count all the way down to our young receivers. I believe this is going to take a lot off Aaron's shoulders. For so long, he has done it by himself. We have a defense, just a matter of our young guys doing some growing. Thanks again. Go Pack Go. Relax was the message from Aaron Rodgers on his Instagram post. He even used the hashtag relax. So even if he is internally stewing, his outward projection is it's all good on my end. And I think that's a good perspective here. I mentioned this on Twitter. I mentioned this earlier in the week. A lot of this has the feel of last offseason where there were all of these questions and those questions were put to bed very early, and it happened with some wins, some key wins early. Some Packers players take a step forward. If they're winning games, what happened in April is going to seem like a really long time ago, and no one is going to worry about how much of a reach Josiah DeGuara was or A.J. Dillon or, or whatever. If they're helping the Packers win football games, and by the way, those two guys especially are going to be instant fan favorites if they're playing. Uh, I, I don't think anyone is going to remember any of this. Look, I, I'm I'm not going to be as optimistic about all this as Zach. I'm not going to you know say, oh, this is the next dynasty. I think that's going a little bit too far. I love the I love the enthusiasm. I love the optimism. Uh, it's certainly a, a welcome change from a lot of the negativity that's been out there on social media. So, look, it's not my it's not my job to be doom and gloom on this show. And I know some people think that you're only being objective if all you're doing is criticizing. That's just not my way. I'm a solutions oriented person. Don't complain to me that it's wrong. Give me options on how to fix it. So I'm going to tell you when things are wrong, or at least when I think they're wrong. But I'm also going to explain to you why it can be fixed. So did I think the Packers got great value in their draft? No. It's not a very interesting conversation after that. It's not. How many different ways can I say it? Do I need to couch every conversation, just every tweet I send about this this draft class when I think a lot of the narratives around a lot of the players that the Packers picked are wrong? If I'm trying to explain some context... Is that me being not objective because it's not a criticism? Do I have to add the criticism every time? Do I have to say, hey, by the way, it's not the pick I would have made, but every time I'm not going to do it. So if you have a problem, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, frankly, but I'm not. I'm really not. Um, and, and I would hope that most of you get it by now that you understand my style. And that's why you come here. You're, you're here for the conversation. So I'm very glad that you are here. It is great to have you here. And we got a lot more coming in the next few weeks. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever wherever else there are pod- podcasts everywhere. You can tell your, your Bluetooth device to, to play Locked on Packers, your Alexa, your Google Home, your Google Home Mini, your all of those things, your car. Tell them to play Locked On Packers and they will do it. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like this one, you can hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? 
Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.